Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we will talk about all things OCD. For more information and to contact me with questions, you can go to www.coreresults.com. That's K-O-R results.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Orlova. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the remaining nine of the OCD subtypes, um, and I want to uh, dive right on in. So last week we ended on pedophilia OCD, and today I want to start with the sexual obsessions OCD subtype. So pedophilia is one that will go under that category. I did want to separate it out because it really stands on its own, but sexual obsessions all in all um, can really be around, for example, questioning your own sexual orientation, um, doubting your sexual orientation. Um, it could be forbidden or taboo images or thoughts that pop into your head. Um, and again, the hallmark of OCD is doubt. So you um, get stuck on doubting um, those images and thoughts. It could even be even be a, you know a, a taboo. Um, image or thought that's maybe even incestual in its content. And so what's important to note and remember is what OCD is. It's a doubting disease. It's a neurobiological disorder. It's important to remember that with OCD, no matter what the topic is, no matter what the content is, um, understanding how it works globally is what's most critical. So that even when you have um, topics around um, things that are really um, kind of emotionally charged that are considered really taboo or difficult or completely unacceptable, um, that even if your brain starts to produce those, so that you learn not to get too attached to that um, and that you learn how to um, really recognize it for what it is, that, you know, this is my OCD brain and I'm starting to have a lot of doubts and uncertainty and anxiety um, that's coming up along with um, the different intrusive thoughts and images or even impulses. Uh, next on my list, I have relationship OCD as a subtype. Relationship OCD, again, the hallmark is going to be you're either really doubting your partner or you're really doubting the relationship. And so it can really come across like questioning in your mind your partner incessantly or questioning if your partner loves you enough or maybe even doubting and questioning the the rightness of the relationship does it feel right does it feel like it's a fit um, is this really the one or maybe even you know am I good enough um, so again there's 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 kind of a normal process when we're in relationships where all of us will have some doubt and uncertainty. And usually, again, folks without OCD are able to see that doubt, see that uncertainty, and they're able to understand that that's part of the process, and then they're able to typically move on. Now, somebody with OCD, when you're having a um, relationship theme, 
instead of being able to actually make some some decisions and move on um, you really get stuck and you really start to there's definitely a lot of mental rituals that come along with this a lot of avoidance behaviors maybe even avoiding um, being intimate with your partner or maybe even altogether deciding you don't want to date at all because you think that there isn't the right person or um, maybe you have this notion that it should be passionate and, and exciting all the time or it should be perfect all the time. And um, as we all know, relationships don't quite work like that. But again, in the OCD brain, um, the brain can get really um, stuck on different details um, and then have a person really be um, doubting incessantly. Um, so next on my list, I have a superstitious magical OCD subtype. So here we're really talking about where a person um, can get really stuck on that certain words or actions or numbers or even people um, will be able to cause bad luck. Now what's important here is that what we want to delineate between is when somebody is growing up in a culture where superstition is just part of that culture um, and also if somebody let's say is really spiritually open and inclined and believes in manifesting let's say um, I always try to teach folks to say look what we have to differentiate between is when you are at baseline and able to actually manifest something versus when you're in a state of anxiety and doubt and fear, that you're not really manifesting anything at that time. What you're doing is just getting stuck in, in the OCD loop. And so we want to be able to tell that apart so that when you are in fact in that mode of doubt and fear and uncertainty, probably that's not the time that um, you're able to actually influence something. So. Um, we want to design your exposure and response prevention practices to help your brain relearn that. So next on my list, I have aggressive obsessions OCD. So this is where, again, um, a common kind of mis misnomer is that, you know, if somebody is getting stuck on having thoughts, for example, of self-harm, um, you know, then does that mean they're suicidal? And the reality is not always. So you want to you want to make sure that you're you're seeing the right specialist who can really differentiate between somebody who is actually actively suicidal, has suicidal ideation, and somebody who has OCD and is um, getting bombarded with intrusive thoughts or images of uh, potentially doing something to themselves, and then they're getting stuck in this loop of doubt. You know, what if? Um, I lose control and I end up jumping out of a window or what if I lose control and I you know grab a sharp object and, and do something to myself or do something to somebody I love um, so those kind of aggressive um, obsessions that's kind of going to be the hallmark of that subtype next I have emotional contamination OCD and really the big centerpiece here is that just by being near someone um, especially someone that may be in your brain, um, your brain deemed as somehow something about that person is not okay, but that by being near them, that you yourself will somehow get um, contaminated or somehow you'll get influenced, something bad will happen. Uh, next, I have perinatal and postpartum OCD. 
Yeah, and a lot of the central focus here is around doubts and fears about hurting the infant. Um, sometimes also if there's, let's say, twins or two kids, um, it could also be centered around, um, you know, am I um, taking care of them both equally well enough? Um, or am I, did I do something? Did I maybe not wash one of the bottles as well as the other? And so therefore I might end up harming one of my um, kids versus the other. Um, so those are just a couple of examples of how that might show up. Next, I have rumination OCD. So it's where really a, a person is this in this prolonged unproductive dwelling on a theme or a question and again never really arriving at a conclusion never getting an answer um, but just this incessant kind of what I call a hamster wheel um, thinking that maybe you've taken some steps forward but you really have not um, and that would be rumination OCD um, then I have hyper awareness and sensory motor OCD so this is where there's excessive attention to, um, to, to what's being stimulated in the brain and really getting fixated on, for example, sights um, or a sound or, um, or a physical sensation. Um, uh, other ways that it can be referred to as somatic OCD, where it's really focused on the body, like breathing or swallowing or an urge to empty a bladder. Um, or it might be neutral OCD, like misophonia. Misophonia means when you're overly focused on a sound that's just not even that important. It's really, um, really kind of a benign sound, uh, but it feels really miserable because your brain can't seem to disengage from that. Um, and last on my list, I have is real event OCD. So where real events have happened, um, you have real memories of that event, and then your OCD, you know, years later or months later, but sometime later, essentially your brain suddenly decides to latch on to a part of that memory um, or one, one specific time in your life, and you're constantly going in circles around that time in your life and, and having a lot of doubts, um, which can range from anything to, oh my gosh, um, what if this bad thing happened back, you know, 10 years ago? when I was, you know, in middle school, or what about when I was in college, and then what if I did this bad thing and I can't remember? What if um, I'm going to be found and police are going to come knocking on my door? Or uh, what if um, I kind of have this fake memory, but what if something else happened and it's actually a lot worse than I think, and, and I'm just sitting here and not doing anything about it? Um, so... Um, those are kind of different examples of how real event OCD might show up. So just to do a recap, we covered sexual obsession OCD today, relationship OCD, superstitious magical OCD, aggressive obsessions OCD, emotional contamination OCD, perinatal postpartum OCD, rumination OCD, hyperawareness and sensory motor OCD, and a real event OCD. Um, and again, I, I'm pretty confident this is not an exhaustive list, and I might have even left maybe a couple more things out. Um, again, the, the most critical component here is I want you to be just familiar enough to realize that there's this many different ways OCD can look 
um, and that really again what matters is that if you have OCD or, or any of these things sound like oh my gosh that could be me is get the right assessment from an uh, OCD specialist so that you can really determine if you do have OCD and get the right treatment which for OCD it's cognitive behavioral therapy known as exposure response prevention thanks so much thank you for listening to OCD whisperer podcast if you have any questions you want me to answer in future podcasts or any other comments, you can go to coreresults.com backslash contact backslash. That's coreresults, K-O-R-R-E-S-U-L-T-S dot com backslash contact.